the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, welcome, welcome. It is Friday, May 27th, 2022. Yes, this is Raging Chickens Friday Politics Roundup. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. I'm here once again with my special guest host, Amy Connect. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Each week we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. Let me tell you, there has been a whole lot of ugly this week. Uh, I can't even believe that it's just been a week. We'll get into that while we polish off our idols to Moloch and Vulcan. Anyways, you can help support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. Choose your membership level. You can also help... Help out the show right now by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. Well, today, yeah, I guess what we're talking about. Yep, that's right. We're talking about the massacre in Texas. When is it going to end? Americans' obsession with guns has claimed more lives this past week, and Americans are fed up with the GOP's routine thought and prayers bit. Or how about this one? Harden your schools. You gotta harden the schools. How about that? Whatever. Choose your nonsense line. Crazy. And of course, the NRA is holding its convention in Texas because, of course, it is. Did they're canceling it? Hell no. Can people bring guns into the NRA convention? Hell no. <laughs> but Texas Governor Greg Abbott pulls back from the NRA. He was scheduled to be there, he canceled his in person appearance. He's supposed to make that today. Instead, he will be attending a media briefing in Uvalde. CPAC. Yeah, that's right. Conservative Political Action Conference. The root of the rot. Right? Yes, well, what is it? Why are they having their annual conference in Hungary? Well, that should alarm you. Yep, you know, taking like classes in fascism 101, you know, whatever. We're going to get Amy's take on that one, especially fringe politics are taking center stage as the GOP slides deeper down the authoritarian rabbit hole. And in case you missed it, Amy also dropped a piece on this week's horrific shooting in the Bucks County Beacon, asking what so many of us are asking right now, when are gun violence and school shootings going to end? We're going to keep on asking that question over and over again today because this is where we're at. Well, Penridge High School students at Penridge Rise Up, those students are planning to walk out of classes on Tuesday at 1 p.m. to protest the recent elementary school shooting in Texas. Um, people are encouraged to join in solidarity. Um, the students are going to be walking out to the flagpole on the high school campus, but um, people who are from outside the school are asked to gather on 5th Street in front of the high school in support of those students walking out. Uh, I'll, well, I was going to say something, but I'll wait till we're in the discussion. Another segment we're going to talk about. Uh, Do you hear this? This is kind of uh, something for you. Cyril's column, Cyril Michalikos' column at the Bucks County Courier Times and the Intelligencer just got canceled. 
Yep, that's right. But if there's any, well, this is not exactly a silver lining, but it's, uh, let's put this in the category of it's not quite what you expect. Um, it wasn't canceled by the extreme right and all the pressure being brought by the kind of, you know, the big money extremists, right wing extremists in the county. Nope. But it was given the axe by the corporate heads of Gannett, which is basically the company that bought out our local newspapers. Yep, this is what happens when we corporatize and commodify our local news. Now, Biden this week, potential good news, is supposed to uh, be ready to announce that his administration will cancel $10,000 in student debt. However, the elementary school massacre this week led Biden to delay the announcement that they were planning on for this weekend. I didn't put this in the show notes, but we should also just, just kind of reinforce the fact that in the wake of what happened in the Supreme Court, in the wake of what happened yet another school shooting, in the wake of what happened in Buffalo, we should just keep on reminding everybody that Democratic Party leadership, meaning Nancy Pelosi and her cronies, right, supported Henry, Henry Cuellar, Cuellar in his primary against a progressive in Texas who is anti-abortion and has got an A rating from the NRA. And guess what? Looks like he's going to win that primary narrowly. Thanks a lot to Nancy Pelosi for that one. And in more like what the hell are you doing news, the Josh Shapiro campaign actually spent more money promoting Mastriano than Mastriano did. Now that is according to a report and analysis um, from the New York Times, and it was broadcast on the Daily this week. Yep, that's right, because this is the, uh, once again, the Democratic Party centrist playbook that playing too cute by half by saying like, hey, we're going to pick the extremists to run against because there's no way an extremist could win. Anybody remember 2016? Everybody remember that? Well, here we go. Here we go. On today's last call, wait, take your book ban and shove it. <laughs> Is that the title of a new occasional book series Amy and I are thinking about? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But we'll talk a little bit about what we're reading and what we're thinking about doing for our first book and our first book discussion. Amy, you might be mad at me. I started reading. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for more PA Progressive Talk, tune to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern, or YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your stream. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And go to therigsmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. This reminds me, I also forgot to put this in the show notes. Um, today's, uh, we're also going to have to talk a little about what happened at the uh, PA AFL-CIO. Yes, because you remember there was a big kind of to-do there because their incoming president was accused of sexual harassment that everybody knew about. Well, guess what? He's stepping down. He's going into retirement. And as a result, the PAAFL-CIO is not going to continue the investigation and not going to release a report on its findings. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Anyways, forgot about that. So thank you, Rick Smith Show, for reminding me of that. And look, it's official. Season two of the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast is flooding your streams. If you haven't been there already, I don't know what you're waiting for. You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. Attention gamers, the Game In, that's with two N's. The Game In is a Quaker Town-based black family-owned gaming store. 
your friends of the show. They've got everything from Retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. And look, kids get A's on the report card. Look, I know school year's almost out, so get on over there. They get all A's on the report card. They get a discount. Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at, at the Game In. Got a question about a game? Looking for something hard to get? Hard to get? Shoot them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout out, of course, goes to our uh, Jonathan Mann, who wrote our intro song. There are no people in the future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page, and follow him on Twitter at, at Song of Day Man. That's with two ends at Song of Day Man on Twitter. And this coming Monday, that is May thirtieth, hitting the end of May here. Kirsten Zolfel will be back on the show uh, to pull the moderate mask off Representative Fitzpatrick's record. Kirsten is, of course, the PA Individual Legislative Chair and editor of the PA Member of Congress Tracking Report. It's always a good show when Kirsten is on and uh, time to ramp up uh, the uh, unmasking of Representative Brian Fitzpatrick in PA's 1st District. Oh, and look, hey, don't let Paul Martino buy our schools, folks. How about that? Don't let them buy our communities. Help us invest in progressive organizing and candidates in Bucks County and across Pennsylvania. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Level Field to set up a truly progressive community-based PAC to invest in organizing and, lo- and support local and state candidates who will fight for the right to fight for the fight the right. Excuse me, and bring the change that we need. You can check out all more information RagingChicken.LevelField.net. That's RagingChicken.LevelField.net. You can check it out. The link in today's show notes. Well, look, if we want a progressive future, we need progressive media. Support Pull No Punches, homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as 5 bucks a month. Just go to patreon.com slash rcpress. We're here for the fight, but we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement, the movement, the media. Become a patron for as little as 5 bucks a month. We're going to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Boy. Well, Amy, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here today. <laughs> I think I was going to be a little bit uh, kind of beside myself if I was going to have to kind of uh, be doing this alone today, given what kind of week it's been. Yeah, it's 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 been a bit emotional. Um, I mean, it's there, there's a lot going on, right? Like just I I just keep I feel like things just keep coming at everybody. Right. Like just things keep happening. Preventable things as usual. Yeah, preventable things. And, you know, now I feel like I'm stuck in this weird uh, kind of communication loop, right, where it's like I've been through this, you know, Groundhog Day before, you know, I mean, as horrific as and specific and horrific as is what happened in uh, in 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 Texas this week, um, the killing of 19 kids um, and 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 three additional people right and three additional people got killed i I, I heard i read somewhere that the it was up to 20 it's up to 20 i don't know if people have passed since then um i've I've been i've been keeping up with the headlines i'm trying not to get too in deep with the articles some of them they're very they're very difficult to read um it's just i think i just need you know time to process it (laughs) and and i i have that ability unfortunately like i don't know unfortunately it's just a I'm grateful that I'm not in the situation that the parents in Texas are in right now. Oh my God. 100%. I mean, I mean, uh, and look, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing to not get into the, the weeds of the, of this. I mean, I know for one, like I've been following headlines and reading a little bit, but just take not kind of 
obsessing over this like right now there's this all yeah. this back and forth about what happened when and the police response and all this other kind of things going on and frankly i'm at the point where i'm like that's a distraction at this point mm. <laughs> right they're important questions i get it but the fact that the national news media is going is ready to go all in on trying to figure out like when the police actually went in and did they like lie or did they give misinformation or did they give inaccurate information about when the police arrived or what they did? All that is important. I understand that. But the only thing that matters at this point, the only thing that's going to matter long-term to kind of prevent this is that we're going to get serious action against kind of an all out free for all when it comes to everybody gets to kind of like, you know, bathe in their gunpowder and kind of like stock their cupboards with AR 15s. I mean, that's the only thing that is going to kind of put a substantial dent into it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I agree. Definitely. It's, it's, it's ridiculous and it's getting worse, right? Like this is getting to be such a frequent thing that you know people are becoming desensitized obviously to to what's going on right that this is this is occurring because it's not occurring to them as with so many other issues that are happening in our society at the moment um i i i don't know i i was really distraught like there was there was this crazy so there was a post recently in one of our community pages up here a facebook uh -huh. community page for the palisades district and somebody put up a post for a rifle raffle and it was, I, I was, I was appalled. I was completely appalled. Like, I mean, I don't have anything against rifling off a raffle per se necessarily, like, right. I, I, I guess, um, but like the fact that it was put up like just days after this, and then it was posted to a, a, a school, like a, a community web page or a community page that's focused on, you know, just the school, right. And school things. I, I just, I was just, that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't matter. People are just desensitized, I think. I also think that they really don't feel as if guns are an issue whatsoever. You know, there's always an excuse, like you're saying. And now they're going to focus on, you know, shifting that to the police, which probably are to blame for, for whatever. You know, I was hearing some of those reports, and I don't know what's completely factual at the moment and not. I'm it's sure hard. there's going yeah. to be, like, a crazy investigation. And if they're to blame for some of this, then fine, then they're, for, then they're to blame. But it doesn't, totally. it shouldn't shift that focus 100% away from the fact that this kid, like, walked into a school and blasted an entire classroom of fourth graders. Yeah, and the fact that it's, and, and, and how did that happen? Well, right as soon as he turned 18, he went out and was able to purchase two AR-15s on the spot. Right. And right after this, I mean, that, I mean, and he, or, I'm sorry, turns 18, goes by two AR 15s and within what, a week or something right from mm -hmm. there, he goes in and this is, this is what he committed. Right. And so mm -hmm. let's say, you know, I, I know we, we get to hear it over and over again. Like, you know, people kill people, guns don't kill people, all that concept. But guess what? If he, on his birthday and he walked into that store and they were like, nope, that wouldn't have happened. Would he still, would, would he have still tried to commit violence? Potentially. Yeah. But not with a semi-automatic weapon. No. I guarantee you there would not be those numbers of kids dead today. And you know, and I saw that there was this there was this reporter from the from the BBC who, or I'm sorry, for Sky News who actually cornered Ted Cruz on this. I don't know if you saw this clip. But, <laughs> Ted Cruz. Huh? Well, and he basically yeah, no. said, you know, he was no. pushing on the question, and finally, journalists, right? Again, not American journalists, but finally, journalists are asking these questions. Are saying, why is it that? In the United States, it is the only, the only country in the world that this happens. 
right? How, if it's not the guns, what is it? I mean, show it to me. We have other things. Other When there were mass shootings in other countries, they took decisive action. And guess what has not happened since then? Mass shootings in elementary schools and mass killings. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Right. I mean, it's like if it's not that, then what? And of course, and the the reporter in that case, basically, yes. You know, what is it about this kind of like American exceptionalism that is so horrible? And of course, that gave Ted Cruz out and say, oh, you're against American exceptionalism. How dare you? And he walks away. Right. But that's the question. No, he evades every question because he because he's funded by the NRA. He He's not. So he's not. He's speaking at that conference. Their, their their annual meeting at the NRA annual yep. meeting. He hasn't backed down from speaking at that. And I, I I guess he said something to the fact, well, that's what Democrats want me to do. I'm just like, are you? It's he, astonishing. He, I can't stand him. I, I'm really thinking about opening up a second Twitter account of like just humans against Ted Cruz because I, he's awful. He's such an awful human being. He really is. Well, good, crazy. It's crazy. Well, look, Amy, let me ask you this. So, I mean, one of the things that you, um, I mean, you wrote this piece for the Beacon this week, right? Uh, and I, I have to say, I can't imagine it's it was the easiest piece to write, right? I mean, you're just talking about in the aftermath of what goes, you know, kind of what just happened. But why did you feel it important to kind of kind of write this piece? And how did you kind of decide that we're going to come at it? What What do you, you know, what did you want to kind of get on the page for that? Well, I think a lot of it came came back to just the longevity of this issue and, and how it's getting worse, right? So I, the first school shooting that I remember being like a big deal in the news, I was 14 and that was Columbine. And that really, sh- like that really rocked my world, right? Like not in the fact that like I was terrified and I wouldn't go to school or anything like that, um, but it, 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 I couldn't wrap my head around the concept of why anybody would go into a school yeah. and shoot yeah. up people, right? Like, it just, that thought never crossed my mind. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I was so young, and that definitely shaped how my outlook on things. It changed my outlook, right, on bullying. It changed my outlook on mental health you know, um, at a younger age, right? Like I was becoming aware of these things. And I started to, I also witnessed, you know, how things got worse because people were persecuted in my high school a little bit, you know, kids who who wore trench coats to school as like whatever they were doing were now suddenly like, you know, a threat and you can't be around them. And it was, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. And it just warped up into all this more fear and the blame kept getting shifted to all of these different things. And then like, but I, I never really gave it much thought of it happening, you know, as, as a, as a frequent thing, it was just so uncommon, you know, it just didn't happen. Right. Or at least I wasn't aware, right. And in my sheltered suburban white life, I was not aware of these type of situations. Um, and it wasn't something I thought about as, you know, I had my own children, you know, but it's it's increasing. You keep hearing about it. It, it. It's like an it's like just it's like a routine thing. Nothing has changed. And I think back to it, and it, it struck me that I was 14 in, when Columbine happened. Right? Like now I'm bringing this is the second generation of children yep. coming into the world where this is normal. This is be, this is like becoming a normal thing of our society. And I'm I I just I felt like I had to 
I don't know. I just felt like I needed to write out my thoughts. <laughs> no, and I think that these stories are important. I think that, you know, the fact that you included, you know, Columbine and the timeline, um, when I was reading it, when I was reading your piece again, there was a, uh, it kind of brought me back to these same kind of reflections. And I remember similar to what you were talking about during Columbine. And I think a lot of the discussion was just around, Oh my God, how, what got to this point where these kids, right. Could do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember the reporting and the discussion. I remember reading all this stuff again around mental health questions about ostracization, what was happening in terms of bullying and, and, and all that. And then, and which were all, I think, really important questions, right? I mean, really important oh, things yeah. to have on the forefront is like, what, what is going on that would drive, would drive these kids to that point? And while I do remember the pushback on, on weapons, the fact that they had semi-automatic weapons was a, was a problem, right? I mean, that was like, whoa, what are they doing with this stuff? Um, but I don't think it was as singular, right, um, of an issue in Columbine. Sandy Hook was a different thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook really blew me away. Right. Because as much as I um, like as much as I was like, I mean, obviously, Sandy Hook happened in like 2000, 2012. Yeah, I think so. 2012. Right. Yeah. So that was, you know, so, you know, years later and stuff. But the fact that that was at an elementary school, I was just like. And I don't want to say that I, I totally, you know, would understand why somebody would blow up a high school because I don't. But I, you know, in elementary school, I mean, I, these children are, are very, very young, yeah. right? Like, I don't, that to me, just that blew my mind, like, even more so, right? Like, it just, and then it keeps happening now. It's like a thing. And and the fact that, you know, we have the Buffalo shooter, right, that happened yep. <laughs> just the other week. And the fact that he live streamed it on Twitch, a gaming service, right, where, like, how many people saw it in the two minutes that it was up? A lot. A lot of people saw it, right? And then it, it, you can still find it, I'm sure. Well, that's, you know, my son, my son told me that there were actually, there were kids watching it, watching clips of it in his school, laughing about it. Yeah, it's, it's, see, I don't know how you can laugh at it. I call it, I did. No. I mean, I looked it up. I, I found, um, I found the clip of it. I, I literally, like, I had, I was so sick. I was so, 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 so sick to my stomach. I have no desire to watch it again, ever, you know? It's just, but see, that's the type of culture that we have is with, is with this. Like, and I was telling you before the show, like, it's this obsession with guns, right? And then on top of it, you know, we have things that are happening in, in our schools, right? Like of, of disabling mental health resources, cutting funding for that kind of stuff. Like it's so hard to find mental health resources. Like people are having a hard time finding counselors right now because the market's like, it, there's too many people. There isn't enough people trained in that field, you know, yep. and then you have, it is expensive on top of it. So, you know, schools will offer it, but then you have people like up in our district who are hammering about how the mental health services are somehow <laughs> indoctrinating our children and, and all kinds of nonsense, you know, and I'm just like, but then they're like, we're going to, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims in, in Uvalde. It's just like, are you serious? Like it just, it's hard to wrap your head around. No, and I, and honestly, I honestly, I cannot get my head in a place where I can even understand that mentality where you are going to, you know, I just saw this, this, uh, it was, you know, it was on TikTok, right? There was this, you know, little skit where this guy was going like, 
you know, okay, we gotta ban, we, we gotta ban these books, we gotta ban these books, we gotta take them out of the other, you know, you know, the flip the flip perspective, like why are you gonna ban the books for, for, to protect the kids? Like, okay, what are you gonna do? Well, we're gonna ban, we're gonna ban the, the word trans in our school and then pride flags. Well, why are you gonna do that to protect the kids, right? And he goes through a whole litany of things that we're facing, we you know, we're facing here in Bucks County certainly. I think get to the guns, like, well, so you're going to ban guns, right? Oh, no. <laughs> right? Why? Well, I just thought that, you were, that banning was the solution to protecting our kids for all this stuff, that that would be part. Oh, no. Why? So, well, because I like guns. <laughs> and that was like, and that literally is the answer. Well, it's like, that's what it is. That's it's all it is. It is. And, this is, and, and, and they're, they're, it's becoming to the point where there's no other reason. There, there's no other reason. There really isn't. Like, there's no, like, they're not stating, okay we're gonna we're gonna ban every single gun out there right no they're talking about very specific guns that are causing mass carnage right right nobody's coming to take your goddamn shotgun nobody's coming to take your your rifle away from you like it's not happening you know but do people need to be trained properly on these things i think so you have like i said you know your train you have to have a particular license and train to to drive the car right you know like um I, I could i could probably rattle off a whole number of other instances like where you have to like it's there's so many things that are so heavily regulated you know um well, but mean, here's the thing too like with that i mean here's the thing are going to be more heavily regulated than guns totally <laughs> totally and let's i mean here's the thing too is that there's a i always look at it like this the one big difference between like a car or anything else that you need to have insurance for you need to have liability for you need to be trained in you need a license all that kind of stuff you need background all that kind of stuff the one difference is a car is not designed to kill people a car is designed to go places yeah right the purpose of a car if it's operated appropriately it will get the person safely from one place to another and maybe a person with other people. It's only when something goes wrong, whether it's an accident or whether it's used improperly, that damage or death occurs. A gun, especially an assault rifle, is designed to tear people's bodies apart in war. Yeah. So That's if it its is only function. That's it. If it is used properly, it will tear bodies apart. Yeah. And when there's an accident, the unintended bodies get torn apart through suicides, through having a weapon that's that's not secured properly in a home, for kids going up and playing with them because they're taught that guns are cool and fun. Right? I mean, that's for me, those, those are the significant differences right there. All those other things that we need licenses for, that we go through background checks for, to get on a plane and all that stuff, if we're doing what is designed to do, it doesn't end up with people dead at the end of the day. The gun, especially an assault. I mean, look, if you have a hunting rifle and you're using it appropriately, right? You're going hunting, you're killing an animal, right? That's that's the purpose. <laughs> an assault rifle is designed to kill human beings. That's the only purpose it has. It's a weapon of war. And so and for, this is where I'm like, I'm at the point now where there was a time when I was like, well, look, people, I'm like, uh-uh, no. I say, like, those things, get them out of here. And you look at every single other instance in which, you know, where there's been a mass shooting in other countries, right? That, that's been the result. When kids get killed in their schools, what happens next? We're banning assault rifles. We're bu- that's the very minimum of what we're doing. And when the assault rifle ban was put in place, guess what happened? Mass killings went down. 
when it was allowed to expire and then people had access to those again, guess what happened? Mass shootings went up. It's a one-to-one correlation in my mind, right? And that for me is a completely separate issue about whether or not somebody can have a handgun, right? Whether or not somebody can have a hunting rifle. Those are so far like differently. And we were talking about this before the show a little bit. I was like, there's a reason why I can't have like, you know, a stinger missile in my house. (laughs) Right. It's like, you know, just because I want it. Well, it's a, that's an arm. Don't I have a right to bear it? Right. I want it for personal protection because somebody might come down my street in a car that I don't like that. I want to freaking blow to kingdom come. Mm -hmm. Isn't that my right? Stand my ground. There was a black guy in that car coming down my street. You damn straight up blew that shit up. Why? Because my thought was the black man bad, right? I mean, it's the same shit. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I was trying really not to rant about this today because I was like, I'm just, no, I'm know, so beside it's, myself. It's, it's frustrating. And that's, and that's like the purpose of like, you know, what my article was really about is like this just, it keeps happening. And yeah. it's the same the same routine. I mean, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. You know, we were we were going to church and we're going to pray for the families. It's like, well, that's great. Again, fabulous, right? What are you doing in legislation to to prevent this from happening again and again and again? Yep. <laughs> Nothing. Not a single thing, and it drives me nuts. And then we have people like you know Mastriano. <laughs> yeah, let's get into that. Yeah, go ahead. Doug Mastriano, who advocates for arming our teachers. I I don't want to send my children to school. Nobody ever anywhere should have to send their school, send their kids to school. Worrying about having like guns in the process. You know what I mean? Like nobody ever. Like it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is a place of learning. This has never been. I, 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 I don't. Why would our teachers be armed? Right. And then you have all these people on the right who talk about not politicizing matters. How is this not politicizing matters? Right. You know, this is what, you know, I mean, it was interesting to see uh, Beto O'Rourke, what he kind of basically kind of busted up, uh, you know, the the thoughts and prayers, you know, Governor Abbott kind of talk point and then whatever. And then, you know, initially there's some people like, Oh, I don't think this is appropriate. And the kind of white guy in the cowboy hat on stage, like, this is disgusting. Now you should come up here on this stage and think in this place and disrupt it like this for your own pl- blah, 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 blah. But you know what? I mean, I think, you know, that's what needs to happen. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. It's like you, these people should not be allowed to continue the gaslighting. It's yeah. bullshit, and people are dying because of it. Yeah, and and you know, and it's crazy to me. It's like we're gonna we're gonna privilege decorum, right? About being nice and not, nobody wants to be discomfortable. We don't want to break decorum. That is like the greatest sin, right? Yeah. But kids being shot to death, all we can do for them is thoughts and prayers. Well, like you said, is like, you know, Mastriano, Mastriano here in Pennsylvania, he gets elected governor. We're in trouble. Yeah, I'm trying not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to think about it. I, like I said before, I had watched bits and pieces yeah. of his acceptance speech um, that I later found out was at a QAnon rally. <laughs> so great oh my god and he was terrible it was a terrible speech it was awful like it was awful he's like he's like yeah about that crt that's gone 
Like that was it. That was it. This is the guy that all these people voted for. I'm telling you. Bravo. They're excited, right? This is uh, you know, this is white supremacy and this is this is the authoritarian rule kind of moving forward. And this is, you know, we're, we're having here. This is why, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk about what, uh, in our kind of second part here, I'll talk a little bit about the Dem fails of the week, but um, for here, let's, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Cause I want to talk, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that you um, kind of were focused in on this stuff because I, I just, I, frankly, I did not pay as much attention to as I, as I normally do. I used to actually sit and watch this. I'm talking about CPAC, right? That's the conservative political action conference. I think it's every year and it's again where they all the extremists come to kind of extreme and um but this year uh they changed it up a little bit so amy why don't you take us into what you, what you yeah. saw yeah i didn't i didn't watch any of it i i god i i have to read it right because like hearing yeah. it, it is so painful <laughs> um so cpac is uh it's the conservative political action committee right and they have annual conferences and you get all these like big name very conservative uh republicans obviously who who go to these things like ted cruz and uh, donald trump Donald Trump, <laughs> right? Kevin like, just all of these people right who, who attend these these things and generally they're held in like florida <laughs> go support no surprise there or texas or texas right? colorado like, maybe, right yeah yeah, you, they go to these these conservative strongholds, but they definitely shifted gears. And this is where this is this is alarming, right? Because they are they they moved their annual conference to Hungary, right? Which is designated as a non democracy, right? It's an authoritarian regime. It's it's led by um, this like crazy nationalist uh, Viktor Orban. You know, he's he's. <laughs> Just, I'm sorry, just the very fact that American congressional members, sitting members of Congress, would take their conference overseas, not to another democratic country, but to an authoritarian country. I, I, I don't know what else needs to be said. And, and, and that's just it. That's it. And people are like, okay, like it happened. It happened. And Trump spoke there. He sent a video. Like, he wasn't there, I think, in person, but he sent a, 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 and he streamed a video. He was one of the speakers, as long, um, along with who else? The Guardian dropped this article about it last week. And they're talking about this guy named Zoltz Bayer, you know, and he's, he's, he's a known white supremacist, right? He, he talks about, uh, he's anti Semitic, right? He talks about Jewish people calling them stinking extrements. Yep. I mean, this is this is the type of people who are attending this conference, and this is where our Republican senators are at, congressional members are at, supporters are at. The the the, the um, last president of the United States gave a speech to. Like, I I don't I just don't see if you are still sitting at home and sitting and like thinking to yourself that the Republican Party is like not authoritarian if they are still for democratic ideals you are so foolish you're so foolish these yep. are the leaders these are the people that are running the party right yep and and even if you're they're not there they're being supported by other gop members who aren't doing anything about it this is not a fringe movement this is this is it 
No, this these are the people at the core, right? This is not, and this is why it, what it infuriates me so much when you hear folks like in the Democratic Party leadership say that what we need is a strong Republican Party. I keep on saying back, like, we've already got one. The problem is, is they're not like they are super strong and but they're not super strong in the kind of nice way that you want, Nancy Pelosi. They're super strong in the kind of extremism in which they're doing. Look what they've done. They've packed the courts. They've stripped away Roe v. Wade. Like, look what they've done. They've allowed a kind of whole kind of like assault on our kind of like public infrastructure. Look what they've done. Right. They've kind of like prevented investment in climate change at the point which we need it most. Look what they've done. I mean, show me how they're weak. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the Democrats are weak <laughs> at this point. No, they are. They they are. And and, and it's not I I, I always um, and I keep feeling, right? Like that the the I guess you would call them the mainstream Democrats, right? The head of the party and stuff like Pelosi style. Um, you know, they're they're all just they're always so worried about the Republicans and what they're going to say in this bipartisan, frankly, nonsense at this point, because there is no bipartisan. It's not there. You have like, what, three Republicans on your side? <laughs> like, I don't understand when they're going to get it through their head that this is not going to work out in their favor. In the end, it's not. No, it's just not. It's not. And so to, to underscore some of the stuff at CPAC, this is a this is a great lead. Um, uh, Yahoo News had a great had a great lead on this. That CPAC hungry was the GOP's ultimate racist mask off moment. Right? I can't think of a better a better headline for that. But so here's the, the first couple of paragraphs. It says, so there was a time this is written by, let me see. Um, sorry, Elad Noharai. Um, said there was a time when I could write about the various shocking aspects of the most recent CPAC event, and it would shock and horrify <laughs> it would lead to mass massive protests and calls for change but we aren't that country anymore for example there's the fact that a little more than a week after a young man motivated by the great replacement conspiracy theory murdered murdered 10 mostly black people in cold blood the republican leaders and pundits at cpac are now cementing their alliance with the leaders of a country hungry which has made responding to the great replacement part of its guiding governmental principles yeah. Right. I mean, this is this is this is who they are. And these are the people. This is where the money is going in the Republican Party. This is where the organizing is going. And this is where the base is. Right. The fact is, is that that is who the Republican Party is today. And I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're a Republican and you're like, well, I'm not like that. Well, you've got a choice. <laughs> right. I mean, so you can stay with the fascists. Right. Or you can become Democrat or you like if you don't Democrat is too like dirty for you. Right. Then you, you be independent. You need to get the hell out of that party because guess what? They are not you. You kind of unicorn moderate Republicans out there. No. And your your voice. Right. Your voice of the kind of like, you know, well, we need to be fiscal responsive. They don't care. <laughs> You've lost you. You let that go by. Like, so anyways, but that, I mean, this is like, this is like crazy that they would, they would hold it in like literally the country in Europe that is like leading the charge on a return to fascism. That's where CPAC goes. Yeah. That, and that, like that news, when I, when <laughs> I did one of those double takes, right? Like I read it a few times. I was like, seriously, like, this isn't like a spoof. <laughs> He's like, is this the onion? Is this the onion? <laughs> you know, and, and it was, and again, I keep finding myself shocked that like, at, and and almost speechless, right? Because how 
how much more of this is is our government going to tolerate? Like, is our government's actually tolerating this? If this has happened, right? And I don't, I don't want to hark back to World War II, right? Because this is that was a whole different era, right? Where we are totally in a whole new time frame. But shit show, I think, is the word you're looking for. A yeah, whole new probably. shit show. <laughs> but like, if this was to have happened in the time span, like a few, you know, after World War II and the immediate aftermath, even probably a good 30 years after, this would not have been tolerated. This would not have been tolerated 10 years ago, I think. You know, and that's what, that's what this is. Like, this is a, a this is the long-term effects, right, of, of campaigns against the conservative right to keep pushing farther and farther right, right, keep chipping away at all those civil rights era um protections that got put in place in the you know in the 60s and then then the 70s and the 80s come along and they start chipping it away chipping it away right but like and we're at this point and this this like i mean it was in the news i guess but like i didn't see too much of it being made a big deal about that concerns me that concerns me a lot yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I think you know. I have to say, is like this is where I give I give Chris Hayes some credit, right? On kind of all in with Chris Hayes at MSNBC, it's like he's like probably the one person that is tries to pay attention to this stuff a little bit. But you know, I mean, again, this is like within what say if you want to talk about mainstream Democrats, right, or mainstream just kind of like moderates, even like what they might be watching. Like, there's one space that gets it, but that's it. Right. I mean, you know, this is something that, you know, Cyril has talked about a lot in terms of our own, you know, our own backyard here in Bucks County is where the mainstream media, the local newspapers have a blind spot for this kind of extremism. Right. The frame. Oh, tell, tell me about it. Yeah. Tell me about it. I was so disgusted with for a while. Um, it's gotten slightly better. Like the Herald, the Bucks County Herald, I they completely were ignoring like everything, everything. Nope. Everything for the like, I mean, COVID, like they would date for a while, like there was no people, there was pictures, there would be have issues out where not a single person in a picture was wearing a mask at all. Like a complete disregard of her, like anything that was going on in the area. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty nuts. I'm telling you this, it's pretty nuts. But, you know, definitely yeah, so check out – we'll have a couple links for the – what uh, so you can just, I mean, just read up at what was happening in, in CPAC um, in Hungary because it is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, some of the things that they're they're talking there – like I said, this this year, this week, because, you know, it usually happens around this time or like around this time. And, you know, so I'm off. I'm done. I'm done with my school for the year and stuff. So usually I'll take some time to actually dig into CPAC. Um and, you know, it's kind of like a measure for me, the fact that I have not watched any of CPAC or have been reading extensively about it shows you how off the rails everything is right now, um, especially since they are, they went to a fascist country to, um, well, actually, it's not, I don't want to say country. I want to say they have a fascist leadership um, in Hungary right now. That's where they chose to go. You know, and again, uh, who's who's a big, big fan of Hungary? Of course, Tucker Carlson, right? That's one of his... Uh, his go-to defender. So yeah, he he did a show from there um, a while back, yep. I think. And I, you know, I he's another one that's hard to hard to watch, you know. But like Hungary has been, like they've been like the the Orban Orban government, you know, has been criticized for a lot of similar things that are happening here, like anti-immigration, anti-LGBTQ policies, um, consolidation of independent institutions and media. 
you know, a lot of restrictions on that kind of stuff, especially with, you know, universities, education, you know, and that's all. When you start restricting all of that stuff, when you start restricting information and the ability to access information, you know, you you are, you rapidly start, it's what it's called backsliding, right? Yep. Like from a democratic state into a non-democratic state. And it can happen anywhere. It can happen anywhere. Hmm. It's not just, you know, this, this thing that's happening across the skis, obviously. So oh. no, 100%. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's the lesson that we apparently are not able to really learn. Uh, and we shall see. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit, um, I'm a little bit on the the dark side of things today, right? I'll fully admit that. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I, I always remind myself about the amazing work that is going on, the organizing that is going on, the people that mm -hmm. are refusing to just stand and just let this go on by. So that continues to go on. My concern is that, you know, it, this has been ignored for a long period of time. And, you know, as someone who studies, you know, the history of the right wing and looking at what the right wing did to get to the place that we are now and knowing that, this took 50, 40, 50 years of concerted effort, right? And a will, right? To invest in a particular vision of the future. And they knew for the longest time, I mean, it's really fascinating reading some of these kind of, uh, you know, these right-wing, you know, think tank leaders and kind of academics and billionaires and things like this. They knew that well, their views were unpopular, right? They knew that they were going to lose and they were gonna lose and they were going to lose and they were going to lose until they won. Right. Because they understood that it was going to take that kind of investment to basically yeah. turn a country away from, you know, really, you think about the kind of popularity of, for example, the New Deal and with all of its problems, with its racist kind of compromises at its core, mm -hmm. with its gendered compromises at its core. I mean, let's we'll do all the caveats we want. But guess what? The New Deal was incredibly popular. Right. And had a tremendous amount of support. Unions had a tremendous amount of support, right? You know, we had, you know, there was that period of time. And so the right wing knew that, well, if you're facing like 75% support for a policy and my policy is calling, what I want is to get rid of that, that's a problem. So it's going to take time. And so we're going to build. And that's what they did. And, you know, and one of the differences I think is that what we see on the, on the right is their willingness to basically cement to kind of coordinate a party with all of these kind of like external, you know, influences like, you know, think tanks and so on like this, lots of money towards an agenda and coordinate in a kind of particular direction over time and invest in that. Whereas the Democratic Party is really hollow, right? I mean, at, at its core, if you ask, well, what is really, what does the Democratic Party stand for? That's hard to do. In part because they've, you know, we could say they stand for this issue and this issue, but they don't, they, they don't work on that in a conservative effort as a party, they've contracted that out to these independent organizations, right? And again, that gives us a certain kind of vibrancy, but it also means that when we're at a place where we are now, there is not the kind of, you don't have the kind of principled messaging behind a particular kind of campaign or agenda um, to do this. I mean, that's why Nancy Pelosi says we need, you know, we, we need the Republicans to save us because I'm not going to do it. That's why she chastised the media for kind of not exposing Trump's lie. And the media's like, like, isn't that kind of your job? I mean, our job is to kind of report on this stuff. You're telling us that we should do your job? This doesn't even make sense. And Nancy Pelosi's thinking they're like, 
baffled that the the press is not going to like do the work for her. I mean, it's. But but that just shows how out of touch, how out of touch that the Democratic Party is, that the people that are running the Democratic Party, they they are totally in a bubble, right? Like, yep. You know, it, it's they're so disassociated with what's really going on, any type of real solutions. They keep tolerating people like Manchin, right? One single person can hold up votes like that the way you know majority rule vote like i just i get so irritated with that because of like just this affects millions and millions of people yep it, it's not about people it's it's not it's not no you don't support henry quayar if it's no, about people you do not. <laughs> right no. it's about your position and your power that's it but anyways, in potential good news on what's happened this this week, um, or let, let's say good to see news. Um, the students at Penridge High School um, under the auspices of Penridge Rise Up. I know there's a Bucks Rise Up is also um, um, happening out there, Central Bucks Rise Up. Um, the students are planning a walkout on, of classes on Tuesday at 1 o'clock, um, and that will be to uh, protest these recent elementary school shootings in Texas. Let me grab something. Uh, I'm to have to take this off my printer. Just so, um, so yes, yeah, so Tuesday around from 1 to 1.45, students will be walking out. Now, if you're a student um, at the Penridge, uh, Penridge High School, um, they're going to they're gonna be meeting at the flagpole and rallying at the flagpole. However, if you are a community member or you are not associated with the school, um, you're being asked to kind of um, go on, join the protest on 5th Street, which is right in front, 5th Street in Percocy, which is right in front of the high school. Um, that's where um, people are going to be gathering Um Fingers crossed everything is going to be uh, kind of hasn't gone off the rails in my house. I will be there with my camera. I want to talk to some people about kind of why they're out there and so on. Um, and um, if you're going to be in the area, um, you can drop by and kind of show the solidarity with those students who are walking out. Um, if you remember that um, the last time you had the, the shootings down in Florida um, and um, in Parkland, Florida, you had 225 students walk out of Penridge High School and uh, they become the Penridge 225 who were put in detention for um, um, for a day, um, who continue to organize, who uh, Joan Cullen, the head of the Penridge um, School Board, um, said these students were being influenced by Marxism and fascists and were going out there and were anti-American and all this. She said this publicly on Twitter. Um, um, these students, you know, this, uh, there are students here now are standing up, um, even in a context in which, you know, the, the right wing has can continued to gain strength, but they're pushing back. So if you want to show up and help support those students, you could do so on fifth street and Percy in front of the high school. And that'll be at 1 PM on Tuesday. So anything else to kind of add into this segment, Amy, before we take a quick break? No, I don't. I don't think so. No, no I don't <laughs> want to get down any further. For, yeah, I think I'm ranting for one morning. So I could. This this stuff is is really intriguing to me. Um, as horrible, you know, as a lot of it is, I do find it intriguing, right? Like, especially you know, seeing it in action. Um, it's it's alarming, right? But it's also it it, it needs to be studied. It needs to be studied. But yeah, that, that's that's enough for, I think, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you 100%. And I think that that's how we get to know. Like, I'm uh, one of the things about studying, I would say, is studying the like, development of the right um, and what they've been doing is like you can see, um, you know, I look at that in just terms of coordination and kind of messaging and what they do as like, um, I mean, I could go into that. I, I, I replayed uh, Ted Cruz's response to that Sky News journalist like, uh, like 
probably a half a dozen times, probably about a dozen times to looking at the rhetorical moves that he was making um, in yeah. there because it's it's a really fascinating um, kind of, it's almost like a training. I don't know if they actually get the official training on this, but how you respond to stuff by this kind of constant diversion. I was reminded a lot of a conversation out to Coop Live this past week with Sarah uh, Aniano, who did- Oh, uh, that was such a great show. Oh, that she was, was amazing. Yeah, she she was she was awesome. She was awesome. Um, her work is just fantastic. And her latest piece when she was kind of unpacking some of these kind of rhetorical rep, kind of rhetorical repetitions mm -hmm. <laughs> that you get on the right. Um, and of course, that that was before the um, the elementary school shooting, um, the one in, in Texas. Um, but we were talking for a while there about what happened in Buffalo. And it was the same kind of stuff. You saw that in Ted Cruz responding to the Sky News journalist is like, they're just looking for a hook to kind of divert, right, deny, right, or yeah. ignore, right, um, kind of what they do. And, and to see it play out so clearly kind of once again, I thought was useful. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's taxing too as well. But <coughs> excuse me. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some stuff in uh, happening here a little bit closer to home. Um, and then uh, maybe we're going to talk about uh, Take Your Book and Shove It. How about that? <laughs> All right, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. We're going to be back right after this quick break. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1935. That was the day the United States Supreme Court unanimously declared the National Industrial Relations Act unconstitutional. The act had been passed just two years before as the centerpiece of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's plan to combat the Great Depression. By the time Roosevelt took office, nearly a quarter of the nation's workforce was unemployed. To combat this staggering unemployment, the act called for $3.3 billion to be spent on public works projects. It also sought to regulate industry to better promote fair competition. Businesses that adopted the act's codes could display a poster emblazoned with a blue eagle. Each poster declared, we do our part. At first, there was positive public feedback for the plan. Hugh S. Johnson, one of the primary authors of the act, was even named Time Magazine's Man of the Year for 1933. But soon, businesses began to complain about the many regulatory codes associated with the act. The act was intended as an emergency plan and was set to expire after two years, but it did not make it that far. The Schechter Poultry Corporation was found to be in violation of several codes. They claimed the codes were unconstitutional, and the company fought the violations all the way to the United States Supreme Court and won a unanimous decision. But for those in the labor movement, the most important part of the act was Title I, Section 7, Part A. And although the designation might sound boring, its message was powerful. It read in part that employees shall have the right to organize and bargain collectively through representatives of their own choosing. With the act's passage, union membership grew. For example, the Amalgamated Clothing Workers Union doubled in size from 60,000 to 120,000 members. Let me try my people come.
This is Kamoni again, joined by Amy Connect here on our Friday Politics Roundup. Um, let's start out kind of this uh, with a little bit of sad news. Um, but uh, we found out this morning that uh, Cyril Michaleko's column at the Bucks County Courier Times, the Intelligencer, just got canceled. Um, and the good news is, is that it was not because of the pressure from the right wing. Um, so I, let me just read you Cyril's statement. He put this on in his, um, his newsletter. Um, he said, look, I did my best to keep the promise about to report um, local progressive voices um, every other week for 14 months in, in both the Courier Times and the Intelligencer, but that comes to an end today. First, this wasn't the result of an organized campaign by Bucks County's far-right blob, which includes groups like Reopen Bucks, Penridge for Educational Liberty, the Proud American Patriots Network, and a gaggle of GOP MAGA digital brown shirts. Nope. They tried to repeatedly cancel me and failed. And knowing, knowing that brings a smile to my face. What actually happened is that apparently Gannett thinks it's a good idea to cut their opinion page to one day a week. One day and a limited real estate for the community to have their voices heard in a thoughtful manner. And I believe it is much more useful than venting on social media. But writing a column requires research, reflection, and revision. So they don't have the space to publish me regularly, nor are they willing to continue to pay me. He says, in the meantime, I will continue to write here, as well as in the Bucks County Beacon, the new progressive media outlet for which I'm editor-in-chief. And one thing that I've really tried to do from the start is have the editorial page there be a megaphone for local progressives. Now that the Courier Times, or rather Gannett, is essentially muzzling community voices by severely limiting community op-eds, it seems that the beacon is even more necessary and vital to the community than it already was, which I'll echo that 100%. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, and again, this is uh, this is another one of the um, fallouts of, you know, this kind of media consolidation, um, the lack, you know, mm -hmm. when you've turned the news, just like everything else into a commodity that's that's uh, supposed to, you know, constantly earn their shareholders more money every single year. This is what happens. Right. Um, they look for ways of consolidating um, and making you know, so that the the Courier Times and the Intelligencer and so many of these other, you know, small newspapers that they own make them sound basically the same. You know, you have a couple local articles and then you'll have just kind of repackaged stuff that's, you know, yeah. getting recycled from everywhere else. And as you gut the newsroom and like Cyril said, you you take away that space for community voices where, you know, there's there's more of a. A, a, there's more of a demand that if you're going to engage in those spaces, like in op-eds and so on, that you actually, you can't just, just kind of go after people. You can't just call names. You can't be a troll. You can't threaten their lives. You actually have to make arguments, right? And those kind of spaces are fewer and far between. And so that's, that's a really sad, but I think predictable kind of um, development that Gannett news um, basically told them above. And Cyril told me this morning, he said, look, He's like the editors at the uh, Courier, the um, you know the Courier Times. Um, they were like, look, they were not happy with it. <laughs> they were not happy to bring that news to Cyril, and they said, look, this is we were told to do this, um, and this is what happens. You know, you have major corporations that are making choices that are, are ripping away our community voices, which is why, as Cyril says, places like uh, Bucks County Beacon is absolutely essential, which is why. You know, despite the fact, like, you know, I look at what we do at Raging Chicken and, you know, there are, there are weeks which we get like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of followers and comments and engagements. And there are other weeks when we get a few dozen. 
right? But there is a value in keeping this moving and going. There's a value in saying, look, we have to build out this network, right? Um, that is a principle which I, you know, and again, I'm lucky to do this. I'm lucky to be able to do this because I've got a good union paying job, right, at a university that allows me to kind of put my resources toward this, right? Because like, look, I mean, if it wasn't for our patrons, we probably wouldn't be doing half of what we do. Um, but when it's still, when it comes down to it is like, this is mostly funded by yours truly. <laughs> right. And that, that is a privilege to be able to do this. But, you know, my, my hope is always that there's going to be a breaking point where we're going to be able to take it to that next level. And that we've spent the time and putting in the spade work in order to build out that infrastructure so that when something comes together, when we're able to kind of make that launch, um, we're, it's not going to be starting from square one. Right. I mentioned this. You're going to hear more about this in the coming weeks. Cyril and I have been back and forth on this um, is that the summer pro was probably we're looking maybe towards towards in August at some point um, to have a, uh, a Bucks County uh, progressive media summit. Right. Probably focused primarily on upper bucks, which are bringing folks who are both interested in this project who are, and also are doing this stuff so that we can brainstorm about how we can actually work more effectively together. Right. Um, because, look, if we, we just Cyril. What happened to Cyril's column is just this is a case in point. We cannot rely upon these existing institutions to kind of support this work that we're doing. Right. Uh, like it or not, we're going to have to do it on our own, um, which means labor. It means time and it means money. Right. So I remember when I first started Raging Chicken and especially in the podcast, when I, you know, asking people to become patrons of the show, going to patreon.com slash RC press today, become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. I could say that without reading it anymore. That was the most unnerving thing I had to do initially. I hated having to even think about asking people for money, right? Because that's not why I do this, right? I get, and let me be clear, I get personally zero out of this, <laughs> right? I don't get money for, I put money in, I pay to do this, right? So the, but the idea is that if we're going to actually have a team of people that are reporting, if we're going to have a team of people who are going to be a part about this, we have to find ways of paying people of having paid staff right and in the meantime it's going to take this kind of weird conglomeration of people trying to kind of uh you know kind of duct tape stuff together um to be able to make sure our voices are heard so uh that's a little bit of a you know kind of a long commentary about it but i mean do you have some thoughts on that amy about just to kind of when you first heard that this you know cyril's col column was going away uh yeah i mean i heard this morning um uh, I saw I saw his statement about it. I I'm not I I think that's ridiculous. I'm, I I think that you know the intelligence. So it's from the intelligence or two. Like he's not with them. They does Gannett own both? Is that how yep. it works? Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. So like I mean him. I think it's a shame, right? And I like I said I was complaining about other local papers earlier in this earlier in the show. Um, and I just think like I said, it's gonna. That that's been my biggest complaint out of the out of all of the local media up here. Like it's a smaller area, right? Like we don't have like big huge media outlets and stuff like that. But like they, it's it's so cherry picked on what's covered, right? And yeah. then I I feel like dismissing Cyril's voice out of that because there isn't a whole lot of progressive voices is just appeasing the people who've probably complained, right? And the people who've probably complained are the big time funders and the donors and sponsors of of the papers. I mean, ultimately, that's what I would think is affecting this, right? It's affecting their bottom line, or it's been threatened too. Because Cyril has come after some pretty 
you know, high profile people. Um, but I agree with you because this, the type of work that is being done by the progressive left, if that's what you want to call it, <laughs> yeah. um, is this is the work that the Democratic Party should have been doing all along, right? Like, they're, they're, this is their, this is what they should have been just doing. They should have been forming that base, right? They should have been, um, you know, getting out there and building up those, those, those like democratic strongholds, going to the conservative areas and trying to flip areas, right? Like bring something to the plate because there's a lot of people out there who just don't know where to go or don't know where to turn to, you right. know, they might not align, especially with everything with the democratic party, but they're certainly not on the far right, right? Like what are their options? And then you, so I, I think that Cyril losing his position is as awful as that is. I think that it's going to open up a lot of doors as well because it needs to start somewhere. Right. And if the courier times and the intelligencer aren't willing to give him that platform, then Cyril's already shown that he's going to just make his own. Right. Right. He's going to just forge his own and he's going to do it regardless. And that's what I think a lot of people are starting to do right now, you know, at least on, on, I hate saying the progressive left. I just want to say like everyday people who just don't want to live under an oppressive regime. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Right? I'll take that. <laughs> like, I don't, that's so radical anymore. Like just to not be like, Oh, well, I don't want my kids choice of books limited in school is like a radical idea. Yeah. And uh, look, you know, one, one of the things that, you know, Cyril had pointed out from it, from, the, from the get go is he, he had been, a critic of the career times for yeah. for years right because that what the career times had been platforming kind of right-wing voices right kind of like moderate to right-wing voices right that was their their whole kind of op-ed pages and stuff and you know supported the podcast of right-wing stuff you know, all this kind of thing and so Cyril kept on saying look you need to have somebody on there and finally you know 14 months ago Cyril was able to kind of convince him Okay, let's bring let's bring some balance to the pages of the Courier Times, right? So that you know that's that 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 kind of thing that's so critical that that is lost. So you know it's like it's not just that it's about Cyril, right? It's about wanting to have that that point of exchange. And I'll have to say this: it's like, look, we need spaces where. Well, let me, let me step back a little bit. When, in addition to having the you know the progressive voice, kind of like going to your point, right? People who just don't want to live under a oppressive regime, right? This is why we need to have a spaces where like journalism can do journalism, right? Investigative journalism can do investigative journalism. And look, the beacon, like in addition to providing spaces for say columns and commentary, right? Which is which is phenomenal to see the kind of range of perspectives that come out there. They've also been doing the kind of investigative work, right, or reporting and journalism that the Courier Times, the intelligencer won't touch, mm -hmm. right? And this is what we found at Raging Chicken years ago is like we were doing stuff. We were kind of focused in on, you know, following the money basically is what we did a whole lot of, like actually looking at budgets and records and kind of what was happening behind the scenes in terms of politics because the mainstream press was not doing it. And look, this is not the fault, even some of the really good journalists out there, but frankly, if you're like one, there's only one or two of you in a newsroom, there is literally only so much you can cover. Right. Yeah. And so if you, we need, a democracy needs a robust press. It needs to be able to expose and hold people accountable in power. And that doesn't mean that it means that we need to have a Democratic press and a Republican press. No, look, they're all going to have differences in their op-ed uh, opinions, stuff like this. But frankly, when the Democrats do things that are corrupt, 
or f- like fucked up, excuse me, like Corsica, whatever his name was, you know, did was, oh, yeah, let me just join with Jim Worthington down at the, like, at the, you know, the, uh, the at the Newtown Athletic Club and join oh hands together. Right. I mean, they, those people need to be called out. Right. I mean, they yeah. need to be called out and held accountable with Democrats. Are, look, I grew up in New York State. Right. New York State is like one of the most freaking corrupt political states like in the country. <laughs> right. And like and you know who the worst offenders are? They're not the Republicans. They're the Democrats. Right. I mean, seriously. I mean, because it's a strongly Democratic state. You got corruption that goes freaking layers deep. Right. And guess Kevin, what? Kevin, New York has has that corruption going back. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But guess what? Well, you know what happens in New York, though, too, as well? Like we have we have like the largest number of politicians who got sent to jail. Right. (laughs) Right. Didn't get slapped on the hand when they did something wrong, but got sent to jail and held accountable for what they did. Right. So, I mean, you know, again, you need that. So that's what I mean about a robust press. And so, look, I mean, the corporatization of media is real. um, But so this is why we need places like this space to have these kind of discussions, why we need places like the beacon that are going to be able to independently do that kind of work and to provide access um, for people, for a range of voices and perspectives that represent Bucks County more widely, not just the people with the money and the power. Simple. Exactly. Exactly. Crazy, crazy, man. I guess I'm on a freaking soapbox today. I didn't really, I did not think I had one around, but apparently I do today. Oh, my God. Well, a, a couple of things I also wanted to touch on. Where did I lost my nose? Here we go. Um, oh, yeah. One of the good things that maybe we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know if you're going to be holding your breath for this, Amy, or not. But uh, uh, I am. <laughs> yeah. B- Biden is. Uh, I am totally. Yeah. Well, after whatever, almost two years now, whatever. Um, um, Biden is potentially <laughs> all right, going to be um, basically canceling $10,000 um, of student debt per bar- borrower, right? Now, again, I want to see the proof in the pudding. I want to see whatever here. What I can say is that because they're Democrats, um, they can't do it easy, right? They've got to have all these caveats and things like this to make the process difficult, right? Um, but Boys. so the plan is basically this. The White House latest plans, this is coming from Washington Post, what uh, latest plans call for a limiting of debt forgiveness to Americans who have earned less than $150,000 in the previous year or less than $300 for married couples fi- filing jointly. Right. So two of the people said. So it was unclear whether the administration will simultaneously require interest and payments to resume at the end of August, end of August when the, um, the current pause is uh, scheduled to lapse. So there's a lot of some caveats. we got to see the details in here. But basically, look, if you're talking about, you know, an individual who earns less than $150,000 or a, a married couples filing jointly less than $300,000, you're going to catch a lot of people, right? You're going to catch a, a lot of people with student debt mm-hmm. are going to actually get that relief, which is a good thing, right? Um, it still baffles me to no end why you just don't make this a universal program. You said if you have student debt, $10,000 canceled. Because you know what you do then? You get rid of all the administrative costs. Because yeah. part of the money that is going to be put in this is going to go oh. spent on the administration to making sure people qualify for the relief. If you just basically said, show me that you've got student debt, you get your $10,000, right? Unless, of course, you only have $5,000, then you just get it all done, you know? How much easier would that be? And would there be a few people, right, who make a lot of money who had student debt who would benefit? Yes, but I would put money on the fact, and studies go and show this over and over again, right? That 
you will spend less money on giving those folks with a lot of money than you would on all the cost of the administration of kind of figuring out who qualifies. Right. And frankly, I don't think people should be carrying student debt. So I don't care if the person is making a million dollars a year. It doesn't matter to me. It literally doesn't matter. Because also, you know what? There's a very few millionaires, <laughs> right? <laughs> the vast majority of us are not there, right? So who the hell cares? If I have to make sure that kind of the guy who's got, you know, who started, you know, started life on the on the run into home base, if I had to basically, he gets, he gets, he gets a, a shot at this too as well, fine. If, if it means everybody else is taken care of, okay, I could do that. I can live with that. So, anyways, that's I mean that's potentially good. So we shall see I now. So. I I hope it I hope it is. I mean that's going to affect me. I mean I've just wrapped up quite a you know, not like a terrible bill, but it's you know it's it's substantial enough. So ten thousand right off the bat, like right off the top, would be would be a help. <laughs> yeah, and because you know what happens too is everybody who, who's taken student debt knows this, right? I mean, is that because if you take out twenty five thousand dollars. Right. You are not paying back twenty thousand twenty five thousand dollars. You're paying back twenty five thousand dollars plus all the interest. When yep. you take ten thousand dollars out of that, you're only basically you're not paying back that ten thousand dollars. And you're also then not paying back the interest on that ten thousand dollars. Right. So, I mean, that's the, that's the same reason. It's the same, same reason if you ever like if you're if you ever have a union job and you have a contract. Right. That's what you want to make sure that you're getting a pay raise in the first year of the contract, not just the fourth year of the contract. Why? Because it goes into your first year. It goes into your base pay, which means that every year after that, you're seeing that same thing here. If you get that ten thousand dollars taken out, it means that you're not paying interest. You're accruing accruing interest on that ten thousand dollars in addition to not having to pay it. So, I mean, look, this this is potentially good. Look, if anything, I look at it like this. Number one, thank God it'll take it'll give people $10,000 relief on the, I also think that maybe this will finally break the glass right on the kind of like emergency handle that they got to pull, right? Maybe this will finally like, Oh, guess what? We did something popular and people liked it and the sky didn't fall. Maybe we <laughs> could do other things like this too as well. So we shall see. Well, the, I hope so. The Biden administration, if it, like they are just, they are probably one of the more slow moving administrations. I think that I, we've seen in a while. Um, so, yeah, I, I do hope that this, like you said, opens up the floodgates, perhaps, of, like, action, of doing something, of not just sitting around twiddling their thumbs and talking about it with no resolutions in sight. Because people are getting really upset, right? I really just think it's totally. it's starting to push a lot of people away. Um, it's not winning them any points, and it's definitely lending to the other side. 100%. So we shall see. So keep an eye on this. Uh, we're certainly going to be keeping an eye on this. And, you know, we had the uh, um, the uh, you know, look, the 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 folks that are working with strike debt, the folks that are working with the debt collective, uh, they've been doing all sorts of organizing. They're going through a big push right now. Um, so this would actually uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming together at this point um, to push to make sure that this gets done. So. Um, so check that out. So one other thing I wanted to mention uh, a little closer to home here, too, is that um, I was listening to the Daily New York Times podcast there, and uh, I think it was yesterday's show. And uh, I don't listen to it every single day. I kind of, when I can, I listen to it. But I, when things pique my interest, especially, I make a point to listen to it. And this one, they were focusing on Mastriano, right? So it was a show that really looked at um, Doug Mastriano. And if you remember, I think I think it was on... I think it was on last week's show. It might have been even two weeks, two weeks ago. 
I was saying that, you know, Josh Shapiro is really frustrating me as a campaign, like not just him as an individual, right, but at his campaign about being kind of, say, too smart by half or too cute by half by thinking that, okay, we are going to get an extreme candidate who we think we can beat and we're going to help get that person elected so that we can face them in the general and then therefore mop the floor with them. Right now, again, I'm, I'm making this a little bit more simplistic than it is, but this is the point. And to hear the New York Times reporting actually basically show the numbers on this. I wish I, I wish I spent the time to dig up, you know, the amount of money. But basically what they said is that the Shapiro campaign has spent more money with TV ads and advertising campaigns promoting the message of Doug Mastriano than Doug Mastriano's campaign has. Right. Um, and now did Josh Shapiro say elect Doug Mastriano? No, no, no. But they gave all the Doug Mastriano talking points like, you know, he's anti-abortion. He wants to do all the things the extreme right wing loves about Doug Mastriano. Josh Shapiro's campaign made sure that that message got out. Right. Because their theory of the case, according to this reporting in New York Times, the theory of the case is that we want to run against somebody who's um, bad. You know, even the guy who hosts it um, said to the reporter said, well, do you think that's actually going to work? Is that a good idea? Is that dangerous? <laughs> the guy's like, we'll see. He said, oh, but now what we have for sure, what we can say for sure at this point is that democracy in Pennsylvania is now on the ballot. Yeah. And so Josh Shapiro's campaign is running. They are running. They are playing with fire here. Right. So let's be clear. One of the things, and I didn't, I don't think I fully had internalized this. So Pennsylvania, unlike most other states in the in the uh, in the country, they do not have an elected secretary of state. Right. The secretary of state is appointed by the governor. Why does that matter? Because the secretary of state oversees all elections and election policy. Right. So everything that is associated with ensuring you know, free and fair elections. Right. And prosecuting cases of voter fraud and all that other kinds of stuff happens by the secretary of state. So if Doug Mastriano wins this, Doug Mastriano has already said that he will appoint somebody that is behind Stop the Steal. And one of the things, despite the fact that this is not even doesn't even matter, one of the things that he wants to do is decertify the election of Biden. This is crazy, crazy talk, right? Not only that, Doug Mastriano has also said that he's basically, okay, we're just going to start all over on the voter rolls. Because what? the voter rolls are so much so messed up, what we're going to do is going to purge everybody. And require everybody to re-register. Right? And oh, my God. You can't. That's that. <laughs> yes. Oh and if you have the wow. Secretary of State, wow. you're appointed that person. You are now in the position to go ahead and do that. Right? Are they going to start issuing, like, badges to let people know who's a Democrat and who's a Republican now that we have to wear all the time? I think, there's a, I think it's a hammer and sickle, uh, a Jewish star, and uh, mm. I think that's what they're going to go for. It's going to be Probably. on all our voter rolls. So, I, you know, this is, you know, they're going to, you know, oh, you're, you're in a union? Oh, here, wear the hammer and sickle. Uh, that's going to be on your uh, thing. Oh, what do you mean? You're a woman? Wear the bleeding baby on your on your ticket, right? I mean, if you, I mean that's what they're going to do. I there's mean, no so, reason to do that. Like, there's absolutely no reason to do a vote for what? Nothing. Because there's Nothing. fraud. Because the Democrats. Uh, remember the Democrats who control the state? Oh, wait a minute. The Republicans run things here, don't they? Oh, no, because they had a governor that was a Democrat. That was the problem. I, I think people, I think, see, and this is another, like, going back to that CPAC point, like, this yeah. is another issue that, like, people need to take seriously, is that the stuff that the Republican Party 
is saying about the big lie and election fraud and all that. Like this is this is these are tactics that are used in other countries, right? In oppressive countries, in fascist countries, in authoritarian countries. Like these are the exact tactics being yep. used. You know, um, I, I really think everybody. Look, if you haven't read it, Kevin Levitsky, Stephen Levitsky wrote a book um, called uh, "How Democracies Die." It's not very long, but it's impactful and it's it's fabulous. Like, I mean, it's fabulous in its content. It really breaks democracy down, and it really breaks down the process of how you backslide into a non-democratic regime. Right? Like, it's there, and, and he and they talk about, you know what happened in Hungary with Orban and what happened in Venezuela, which is not a socialist country, by the way, for the record. <laughs> history check. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I highly recommend it if you have, if you have it, if you haven't, like for your summer reading list, it's not, I mean, it's grim, you know, but it's not very long either. So no, it's on my list because of you, actually, you told me about this no. before. And I, I actually, that is on my list for yeah. the summer. Absolutely. 100%. And I teach a class called our uh, rhetoric, democracy and advocacy, which we look at some of the, um, nice. yeah, some of these, this is kind of, well, I think I teach that it's going to be in the spring now. Um, but that's the one we get, we get a little bit more like theorizing about democracy, mm -hmm. looking at some of this stuff. So I know, we're going to read, um, we'll probably read like on tyranny, um, um, at that book too, as well. It's another, uh, what's, 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 I'm forgetting the guy's name. It's just Timothy, Timothy, Timothy something, um, wrote a great book on tyranny, breaking down, you know, the rise of authoritarianism. What are mm -hmm. some of the ways that, um, that, that kind of moves up anyways, but yeah, that's yeah. definitely on my list for exactly <laughs> that reason. And I thank you for that because that's, uh, that's right up my alley. And I think that's, you know, it's the kind of stuff that we need to be, we need to know about. Yeah, well, and too, and like I had good, like, there's actually like, so my political, uh, one of the professors over at Cedarcrest College, she actually is introducing a, a whole class on um, competitive authoritarianism, um, so which is awesome. So she invited me to come sit in on her class next year when she teaches it. I'm excited about that. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we shall see, folks. And like this is, we got Mastriano kind of uh, basically there and Shapiro's campaign's got its wishes. So Mastriano's also said he will go for a full abortion ban. Mastriano has also said that um, CRT is done, right? He's going to go after schools. I mean, this is, you know, the Shapiro campaign better be willing to go whole hog on this because the extremism of Mastriano is not going to win the election for you, right? Um, we've, we should know that by now. And the fact that we, you know, as they said, this guy from the New York Times basically said, look, democracy itself is on the ballot in Pennsylvania. I don't know how else mm -hmm. to kind of um, underscore that. So crazy. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, so, Amy, why don't we kind of close out today talking a little bit about book chat? <laughs> okay. I like books. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, can you so talk a little about that because it was just kind of your idea. You kind of were kind of thinking it's like, hey, here's a you know, we should do, this should be kind of a cool thing to do, right? So what are some of the ways you're just kind of thinking about what we could do? Well, I think, so first of all, because there's so much like bad news in the world, right? Like, <laughs> I think that shifting gears a little bit, you know, focusing on on maybe some different type of like book genres, um, sci-fi, I love science fiction, right? Like that's <laughs> something that I have gotten back into reading. I haven't had a lot of time for books that I used to read. Um, now that I'm done, I'm done school, I'm able to <laughs> focus on some different things like that are non-historical, non-political books for a change, which is really nice, actually. It's a good break for my head. Um, but one of them, I was really excited. So this past year, a lot of people are familiar with it. It's that uh, 
that series that came out, The Eye of the World. The Wheel of Time. Or, I'm yeah. sorry, The Wheel of Time. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Wheel of Time. The first book is The Eye of the World. Um, so Kevin and I were talking about doing like kind of like a like a rundown, right? Like we're going to read the book because him and I both have a copy of it, and then kind of do a comparative analysis between that and the series. Yeah, I think it'd be totally yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fun. So we have, you know, in full, uh, and then we also toyed around with like, okay, you know, if this, if this kind of goes off well and stuff like this, maybe we'll find some, uh, some spaces where we could kind of open up, um, open up some, you know, get some additional books and maybe have um, folks from the community kind of join in for some of this stuff um, to make, Definitely. you know, to make the recording available kind of afterwards. It just could be, you know, like that space of doing, you know, the space of joy, if you will, but, you know, kind of also some really cool stuff. And, if, you know, again, you're talking about me and Amy here, so you're not talking about, you know, we're just going to read, like, you know, horrible trash stuff. I mean, the Wheel of Time is interesting, <laughs> you know, because of, you know, there are all these issues of kind of the gender and power and all the stuff that run through yeah. these series. And that's one of the reasons why I love science fiction, um, good science mm -hmm. fiction, which tends to kind of like, you know, pull on threads of our existing kind of society and kind of extract them out into the kind of future or the past if it's kind of more on a fantasy end. So, I mean, it's really kind of cool to discussions that we can look at. And so I have to, I'll, as a little preview, so I, I just, I finished, I, I've been, I just read this book called The Bone Shard's Daughter, which I think we got to put it on the list, Amy. Um, okay, I'll give it a shot. I haven't, I have not delved into that one. It is. Let me let me tell you what why I I think this would be so cool. Now, the, now we won't be able to do a comparative stuff because as of yet there's no there's no series <laughs> on it. But what is what first got me to read this book? Um, uh, Angela Angela Andrea Stewart is her name. Um, who wrote who wrote the book the series? I I'm, I'm also just starting the second book in that series too as well. Um, um, this is the great thing about summers is that you can actually I can do some more of this stuff, read more. But um, and what's what got me to pick up this book up is that it it's kind of set in a time which I guess it would be f classified as fantasy, right? But it's more of a kind of um, it draws its traditions more from say like Japanese and kind of island cultures, right? As kind of ways that looks at kind of like emperors and imperial um, kind of dynasties and dynastic stuff. It's set on these series of islands that move, but Ooh, most, yeah. And the most interesting thing a part about it is that gender identity is sewn all throughout this stuff, but it's done this in such a way that first of all, sometimes when you're introduced to a character, you don't know what their gender is. Yeah. Right. And there's other times where relationships between two women or between two men are just as normalized as every other kind of relationship. So it just it's just sewn into the fabric of the book in such a way that you're looking at you're you're reading a book where like gender discipline is not the organizing paradigm. <laughs> right. Is that, you know, and it's fascinating to walk away from that, um, especially in our current environment, which they're trying to crack down and kind of discipline gender once again, right? Discipline yeah. people into specific gender norms. And instead, you've got this much more rich dynamic of, you know, relationships with people. And, but it's not done in, but it's not done in the way that is like, this is about that, right? It's about the story, Right. Yeah, and so it's 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 just a fascinating book, and I, I actually I, the more I I I I move away from that book, 
the more impressed I am with it. I mean, it's like, it's been that kind of book. It's on my mind all the time. So it's really interesting. So yeah, we can totally put it on the list. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. There's, I, I love science fiction was one of the first, like I started the first kind of books I ever started reading were historical, like actual books that I picked out, you know, for myself really was, you know, more historical books, <laughs> go figure, um, you know, but then also science fiction, right? Like I, I have read so much. I, you know, I'm a huge Tolkien fan. I read Tolkien when I was 13, you know, so I was, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've just, I've read so many different types of books and stuff and I love, I love the story because it does like a lot of times, like in science fiction, things are normalized that aren't normalized here or that weren't normalized here. Right. Like anything was possible. And I think that is so important for people and for young children to read these type of genres because it allows minds to kind of think outside of the normal box that they're conditioned to think in. Right. It doesn't matter. It's not real, so to say, right? So you can you so you can start thinking. And when you start thinking about that type of stuff, I think as a small child, I think it allows for a much more open-minded individual. Yes. You know, and that's important because science fiction also engages a realm of different academics. Like you have philosophy in there, which I think is incredibly important in society. Um, you know, you've got you do you have politics, you have race, you have gender, you have class, you have all of it. You know, and a lot of times it is reorganized into a structure that is not what we live in. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's just, it's a good way of not getting into, I don't know, just like a stagnant culture, right? If you want to call it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's um, one of my favorite sci-fi authors is Kim Stanley Robinson. And um, he wrote the Mars trilogy, which is in my view is like, well, I'm not the only, I'm not alone in this. Um, that it is like the best kind of Mars science fiction that's out there. It is. I've never heard of this one. Oh, Kim Stanley. <laughs> it's a red Mars, blue Mars, green Mars is the trilogy. Oh, fabulous. More, more it is. <laughs> it is. Oh, maybe we should even put that on because I'm telling you, yeah. I, I, I periodic, I've read these, I've read this series now probably five, six times. I mean, it's like, um, it is the Kim Stanley Robinson basically says, uh, or let's put it this way red mars green mars blue mars that series it, it starts off like i was talking about you know take these threads of our current history and projecting them into the future so it starts off mm-hmm. from globalization and the corporatization of things the privatization of all this stuff and those tendencies are rich obviously in our world right now neoliberalism yeah. all this other kinds of stuff and it basically carries those through Right. But it doesn't carry just those through. It carries with all these other competing tendencies, too, as well. So you get these kind of like radical anarchist traditions. You get these kind of socialist traditions. You get these ecological traditions um, and resistances that are carried through into this the colonization or I shouldn't say the colonization, the settlement of Mars. Right. Um, And the development and rethinking of what kind of society is going to be set up there. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's always materially tied to Earth. Right. Precisely because, you know, Earth is still the, the you know, the colonial power, if you will. <laughs> right. And the so you get, that's what they are now. It's, it's totally. A <laughs> and so you get this dynamic of like of of colonization, of capitalism, of global capitalism, of a free market capitalism. But then also these all sorts of resistances that that ask you to imagine other possibilities, kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the effect for me is always like, it's like, holy crap, it's like for all this, you know, for the, all the theory I've read in my life, all the kind of like material kind of like histories and stuff, 
here it is playing itself out in this narrative in like this amazingly written narrative about the future that allows you to see for me at least allows you to see the present in a different way right it can help denaturalize the world we're in now as saying this isn't the only possibility <laughs> you know but I it love sounds it. Awesome. That's how, it sounds fascinating. I haven't, like you said, I just started reading some more science fiction. Um, I just picked up some, you know, not just recently, but I had read some Octavia Butler, who I had never I even known her. about. Yeah, I never knew that there was women sci-fi writers as a teenager so much. Um, the closest I got was Anne Rice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which she's an incredible author, by the way. So she just passed not too long ago. I know. Well, yeah. And she was yeah. named for the, uh, you know, uh, the it was the Octavia Butler crater that um, the new person, uh, the was it the Perseverance rover that just landed on that crater that they're exploring for signs of life. They named oh, that after her. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. Yep. I love her stuff. She her her work really like you know I I lived in that that world for a long time as a teenager you know so. <laughs> Yeah, I want to get uh, before I, I, I guess I have to. Uh, I'm just spacing her name right now. Um, you want to read other women sci fi writers with the best ones? Oh my God. It's, uh, let's see, please give me her name. Well, Ursula Le Guin is amazing too, as well. Ursula Le Guin, but oh my God, it's killing me. I can't remember her name. She's, she's relatively young too. She's, um, she? oh my God, what's it called? Oh, oh, I know. I know the Obelisk Gate is one of her books. Obelisk. Mm. I'm sorry. This is just me and Amy talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Emily, thank you. Uh, N.K. Jemison. Oh, okay. M -K uh, yeah, N as in Nancy. N.K. Jemison. J-E-M-I-S-I-N. Um, yes, it's the, the Broken Earth Trilogy. Thank you so much, Ooh. Emily. I just like my brain is literally fried. It is so freaking good. Yeah, it is amazing, and um, she's a she's a um, she's a black woman, and she race politics are kind of all imbued kind of throughout here. Nice. But but again, in the in the same way as the best science fi uh, science fiction writers do is like race is absolutely central to understanding and one of the critical things that go. Yeah. But it's not like you know it's not the preachy political text which says you know <laughs> this is we're going to tell you about. It's all imbued into ask you to think about this stuff. But it's fantastic, fantastic. Awesome. I'm so excited. And and I heard you say earlier, you, you had started reading The Eye of the World, the first book. I have. So I just, I couldn't, I did was you, done how with. How many chapters did you get through? Uh, I've read the first couple of chapters previously. I need to brush up. 14. But it's a very, very big book. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's thick. It's definitely a thick book. I'll have to catch up. I was, I was planning on sitting down um, this weekend and this week. And taking a starting to read some of the some of the chapters, also and brushing up on the series too. Yeah, well, I, let, let's look. Uh, and when you say uh, I have to catch up, the last thing we want this to be is stressful. So <laughs> let's let's be clear no, about that. No, 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 it'll be fine. Like I said, I've read uh, I've read quite a bit of the book already. I yeah. think I stopped about maybe halfway through, um, just because I started reading other things. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that like this book that I had sitting around in my library and then like they made this series about it and I'm like that sounds familiar I'm like I read a book kind of like that and I was like oh because my book just says eye of the world it doesn't yep. say wheel of time or any of that stuff so yeah and I guess there's like 11 books of the series or something like this oh, I mean <clears throat> it's crazy yeah I know it's funny I, I had never I had never heard of, I mean 
I've been reading sci-fi for a long time, and I have never even heard. Was it Robert Johnson? Is it Robert uh, Jordan? Robert Jordan. No, I've never heard of him either. I was. Oh, it's not at all. And I was. I mean, and I'm surprised because I I read the entire Game of Thrones. So. Yep. Yeah. Which this kind of reminds me of. This is this kind of reminds me a lot of like it's got a very Game of Thrones like essence to it. I think in some ways, and then it's like also a mashup of like other science fiction, uh, maybe of like Tolkien a little bit. You know, like there's so many themes I think that I've I've, I've come across in other books. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's I'm gonna be I, I'm I, like I have never read any of it until now, and it's actually really interesting. Uh, this, uh, anybody who wants to read along with us, right. You know, just, uh, just see, here's my fair warning. My heads up for it is that the, um, <clears throat> the first future, it takes a while just to kind of get into that. If you are not a fan of detail, because one thing Robert Jordan is very good about is describing everything that is on the freaking table. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it's like, seriously, it's like, he's like Michener. Like yeah. And it's like, and <laughs> And and I, I said this to my son because my my son's a big reader and so is my daughter. And then um, they I said, well, look, there's the one thing they probably should have done. There's this and the version I have. I don't know if this is in all the versions, but the version I have has got like this thing. It's called like the before or something like that or, you know, the earlier What's days. Or, I wish I had my book with me, but. <clears throat> It's called the before. Do they have a pro? Is it the prologue? Or, it's oh before God, the prologue. prologue. It's before. Yes. Prologue, it's, sorry. Yeah. It, it, there was something before the prologue. Just do you have anything before that? No. The first thing I have is the prologue, and it talks about Dragon Mount. Okay. No. There, there's a in this one, nope. I, and it. this one has got something that's called. You know, it's, I, I can't. It's something like the before, or like what happened before, something like this, and it takes place. I guess like like a couple decades before or a decade or something before the book actually begins. And it's like, you're getting all this detail and all this particular detail. I wish they had kind of not started with that in this version, just because it was like, it was hard to get through. I was, I mean, I don't, I don't think, yeah, my version's pretty old. Um, it's from 1990. So I think it's from like the first year the book was released. Yeah. So I, I just bought I just mine now. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. So anyways, and it's like, so if you're, if you're, anybody's going to read it, just know that it's, uh, it, it, it'll, the first couple chapters might be uh, a little bit slow going, but I, I promise you it, it gets better. And I also have to say that, um, and I'm not going to say details in this because this is what the, what our show will be about. Um, but, uh, there are significant differences between the book mm -hmm. and, the, and the series. Um, oh, yeah. and I have to say that there are some things that I'm seeing already that I think the series did better than the book. So that's my little teaser for uh, <laughs> for it's for now. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> I can't wait. I already have like I've got I, I, I started watch when I started watching the series. I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and we will get into that. So if you want to do something to look forward to, Amy and I will figure out like when we uh, when we want to do that. Um, given all our, our schedules and all those other kinds of stuff. But uh, that's something to look forward to for everybody. Uh, something good for the summer. I really love this idea. A Amy, thank you for the idea. That was, this, I think it's freaking awesome. Um, this I be, love books. Like yeah. I think they're, they're my favorite. They're some of my favorite things. So, and they've always been that way. Like it's always been that way. I've had a love of reading since I 
began to read. So <laughs> yeah, I have to. I, I love that. I love every once in a while getting the uh, the 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 picture drop of like just like like the backseat of your car with a load of books in it. <laughs> well, there's, yeah, there's 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 a there's a particular place that I go to. I don't I don't want to give it all away and everybody run to it. And, <laughs> buy up all the books but there's it's cute i i have um i have my own little collection and i you know i collect particular things not really books of value other than just literary content um and especially now with all the hubbub going on about banned books and stuff i am trying to stock my own library with things that i think are important to read yeah you know um i if anybody wants a cheap way to get books by the way libraries often will sell books for like yep. a quarter or a dollar and they just get a lot of times get rid of old copies i've picked up a ton from the bucks county libraries <laughs> yep, yep. that way too right and that's a good way to do it so yeah <laughs> fantastic all right cool well hey anything else uh for the good of the order i think this is a good place uh, a, a happy place to kind of uh, close out the show for but definitely i think so Oh, cool. Well, Amy, thank you once again for kind of being back here and uh, I'll keep on bugging you to come back as much as I can get you back here. This is fantastic. Um, uh, kind of a, it's a great way to kind of close out the week. And I know that everybody loves uh, to have you on too as well. So uh, awesome. thanks for I being on once again. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, have yourself a great weekend. I know we've got some storms that are being coming through here in kind of the uh, Eastern Pennsylvania area. So not quite yet. So uh, internet's holding out for now, um, but have a great weekend. Um, have a great week ahead and, you know, do try to find out, th find those spaces where, you know, that are going to nurture you to take care of yourself too, as well, because we have got a long slog of organizing and work ahead of us. Um, so in the midst of, we got to find those spaces of joy and hope. So there you go. Amy, have a great weekend. You too. Yeah. Well, we'll see you on the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Thank you all. For, whoa, that came in really loud. Um, thank you all for joining us here. Um, sorry, wait, I got the wrong thing. Here we go. That's what I wanted. My bad. This is what happens when my brain is fried. Anyways. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Um, you can help support this show by going to patreon.com slash rcpress. I'm out of here. See ya! <laughs>